The Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by Tote. Think you can't get better value? Think again. 10% bigger dividends when you bet direct with Tote Plus at tote.co.uk. Lots of racing to look forward to at the weekend ahead of one of the biggest meetings of the entire year. York. We're still supposed to call it the Ebor meeting, I believe, even though now that Judmont is the highest rated race in the world. But anyway, the York Ebor meeting. Or the Judmont. Are you, York. Are you having a moan about calling the Ebor meeting the Ebor meeting? Yeah, I am, yeah. Why not? Let's get it started. Let's let's start the moaning now. <laughs> it's like <laughs> seeing as you were like French racing! We're last. not we're not last a weekend in Yorkshire, lad. We're not talking about French racing when it's only the best mile race of the year. Uh, the views of Roy Dalargi, not necessarily mine. Uh, I wanted to talk about the race. Uh, Roy Dalargi is here. Lucy Russell Hughes is here, and we'll begin with the 145 at Newbury. I'm Emma Kennedy at the Denford Stakes listed race, and uh, Masakela, who's a horse that we've talked about quite a bit on the podcast because Oshin Murphy was raving about him before Royal Ascot, and um, while he didn't succeed there, he got a hell of a lot closer. Um, to the winners' enclosure with a second at Newmarket last time out. Uh, two horses who have one though are Seattle King and Bayside Boy. Uh, Seattle King six to four, second favourite behind uh, Masakela at five to four. Uh, Seattle King is your four to one third favourite. Uh, Lucy, to start with you, your thoughts on the one forty-five, um, a race formerly known as the Washington Singer Stakes. Mm, that's right. Yeah, and um, I think Masakela is a solid favourite given his experience that he's picked up in his uh well all, all of his three runs uh this season as a two-year-old and his run last time out was um far more improved um from what he's shown us previous to that i think he got a bit sort of bogged down at ascot uh behind the very good horse of aiden o'brien's uh point lonsdale but yeah his run last time out was um far more improved and he's he's shown a very professional attitude in in all of his runs, to be honest, he, he just looks very straightforward. He hasn't shown any any signs of greenness. I think on even on debut at Goodwood, there were a lot of horses around him who were very keen that day that could have sort of set him alight. And he 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 just looks very polished performer, even from his debut, to be honest. And I think um, a very deserving favourite of this race. And I think he can improve from his his second uh, last time out, and that was in a Group Two. So listed race here looks the perfect opportunity. Uh, for him to get his his head back in front, and the other two horses of interest in the market, and um, as you say, they both had one run, one win, and that's uh, Bayside Boy and Seattle King. I thought both were very uh, green, well as to be expected on on debut runs, but uh, they overcame their greenness, and um, perhaps Bayside Boy was slightly more impressive. I think he made up a lot of ground in that newbie contest and was quite overlooked in the market that day. So that, that'd be my only concern. He was nine to one that day. So, um, he's going to have to prove us wrong again. Um, I think perhaps, uh, Seattle King, uh, was sort of chased along from quite a long way out in, in the race that he won at Salisbury. Um, it's quite sort of hard to gauge what, what he's going to give us, um, this time around. So I do think Matthew Taylor's by far, uh, the solid favourite and uh, the standout horse in this race. I agree. And William Buick, a fine sub for Oshin Murphy. Uh, Rory? Uh, I haven't had a chance to say this in, in, in many uh, 
a long month, but um, I saw Bayside Boy at Newbury. Oh. First outing to a race course. I only outed to a race course uh, since Cheltenham 2020. Um, and um, I was impressed. Uh, impressed with the way he picked up from um, from a fair way off the pace. They did go, they went a decent gallop there, but they didn't, it wasn't a pace collapse as such. Um, the runner up um, in that contest find came with a um, uh, with a, p- a pretty big reputation um, and I thought Bayside Boy picked him up very easily um, to go on to a, a wide margin win um, and typically um, novice races at, at Newbury tend to be pretty deep affairs but um, uh, there were big margins between the first and second and between the second and third as well and I thought that was a um, I thought it was a very nice performance by a horse who who didn't give the impression that he was um, uh, that he was teed up to win that race on debut. Um, he's got a, a nice pedigree to suggest that he will be a better three-year-old than a two-year-old. Um, and I thought he was essentially given a, a, a you know the kind of introduction you would to a horse you thought you know was was next year's horse. So to um, to pick up find as easily as he did find was one to three there, um, having run very well on uh, on his debut um, prior to that. But I thought, again, um, that form has worked out very well. Uh, Fine was beaten by uh, Lucille uh, with Noble Truth behind in, in third. And we've seen what, um, what Lucille has done since um, to underline the uh, the value of that form, um, winning the July stakes next time out. Uh, beating the horse who won the Richmond Stakes on his next start, um, and having Ebro River behind him that day. So if you draw between um, uh, Bayside Boy um, and Lucille through Find, um, then he's um, he's considerably underrated here. And although he hasn't quite got the level of form that um, that Masakela has shown, um, he's ahead of Masakela at the same stage of his career. Uh, Masakela won nicely on debut at Goodwood, but I think um, Bayside Boy ran to a um, a considerably higher mark on his new debut than Masakela did. So Masakela does have the best form. He's had three runs um, to hit that peak. I think he's a um, um, he does set the standard. But I think Bayside Boy uh, doesn't have an awful lot to find. And sometimes you get these horses who bolt up on debut and they don't really improve for it. But he doesn't strike me as that kind of horse. He strikes me that you know, as I said, that he wasn't fully wound up for a debut. That he will come forward for it. Yes, that race was kind of set up. Um, to show him off to reasonably good effect, but I think he will improve for it. And if he draws, then um, then he's a, a major uh, fly on the open here for uh, for Master Ken and Andrew Golden. Interesting. Uh, so that's the one forty five at Newbury. Will stay there and go for the two twenty, the one hundred five, the Jeffrey First takes over. Um, well, we said the distance, so we'll just go with the group, shall we? Uh, group three. Uh, Hockham heads the betting at 10 to 11. Uh, <laughs> Golden, whatever, I don't care. Uh, Golden Pass, 6 to 1. Uh, Red Verdon, 8. And Rodrigo Diaz is 9s. Um, if we're going to go for Rodrigo Diaz, then we may as well go for Pablo Escobar. Uh, why not? 10s. Uh, again, Lucy, what's your thoughts on this race where the market is very much controlled by Owen Burrows and Jim Crowley at the head of the fairs? Mm, the market would suggest it's a one-horse race. I do. Th- I thought it's quite a interesting renewal this year. I think quite a lot of horses, you can make a case for them. Um, I thought they might be a bit more closely knit in the market, uh, to be honest. I think, I, although I do think Hookham 
um, of course, last year's winner of, of this race, um, returning in good form as well. I thought his um, it was a fine training performance last year. Um, from Owen Burrows, he, he won first time out of Royal Ascot and then to win this race was great. And then he's obviously coming into it uh, a winner um, at York last time out and that was in a Group 3 con contest. So, yeah, you can see why all the money's come to him. I think he's a standout horse. Uh, I do think there's a bit of value to be had elsewhere in this race. I think there's a lot of horses coming into it um, sort of with an each-way chance, uh, as the market would suggest. I do like Sleeping Lion. I thought his run last time out um, at this course, Newby, was was good. He was sort of running on the closing stages and picked up fourth place in quite a competitive affair. And, yeah, I think he's... He was a, a winner first time out for Roger Charlton, who's now who now trains him. That was first time out for that yard, and I think he's a horse that always runs runs a good enough race. He's shown his uh, sort of liking to the course at Newbury, having finished fourth last time out. Don't think the one mile six should be a problem. He's uh, run over those trips before and, and won on quick ground as well. So I think he presents a, a little bit of value at the weights. He's he's got a nice weight on his back. Um, for his rating as well. He's rated in, in the 100. So um, there's other horses in this. You could sort of... Rodrigo Dias is, is by far a horse on the improve. Mm -hmm. um, fairly unexposed as well and lightly raced um, for his age. Why He's four, so he, he's got enough experience, but he's quite nicely... He hasn't been sort of um, pitched in at races that he hasn't had a chance in. I mean, he's come... He started off in sort of class class five last season and then he sort of burst onto the scene this season in better quality races and I thought his run last time out was uh, was yeah standout performance finishing second in the class two and, he, and that I thought last time out I sort of opposed him in that race I thought he was stepping up in trip and stepping up in class I thought it might be a bit of a a big ask for Rodrigo Diaz but there was a lot of money that came to him so um, and that was um, reflected in, in his running so He's, yeah, he's very interesting with Ego Dyers. I think Red Verdon, perhaps, um, getting on in, in age, um, he's quite high in the handicap now as well. Although he was a winner last time out and Holly Doyle on his back is is to his advantage. I do like Sleeping Lion. I think um, he presents a little bit of value um, in this race and I think he can get back to, to winning ways at some point. So I think each way he's uh, he's a good shout. Okay, and you can get over 12s. Um, Rodrigo Diaz was how I was going to play it. Rory, for you? Uh, I, 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 I have to say I thought Hookham would be, would be very hard to beat here. My concern about getting Holdy Tway in this race is you only need one non-runner um, to be... Screwed. Um, screwed, um, in short. Um, you know, I, again, he's a, he's a short price list, Hookham. He's an impressive winner of stronger um, race um, 12 months ago as well. And just to give you an idea of this, he's, he's got to give weight away. Um, he's, got a, uh, he's got a penalty to, uh, to concede, and obviously he's, um, rather than getting the three-year-old alliance uh, last year, he's, he's um, uh, conceding that to, uh, to um, recovery run, um, although the rest of them are older horses. Uh, but his, um, his official rating is 114. Um, so you know, I take... I take um, Lucy's view that sleeping line ran ran uh, ran well at Newbury last time, and that's um, a big two mile handicap. But you know, he's he's a high class handicapper with a with an official mark of one hundred and one. Um, but he gets three pounds from Hookham. If this was a hand, 
I think the phrase Rory was going for it was, if this was a handicap... Uh, or something. Have we lost him? I think that was the phrase he was going for. If, Rory, your broadband is rubbish. Uh, the phrase you were looking for is, if this was a handicap, as opposed to if this was a hand... So continue, sir. Well, where do you want me to go from? Doesn't matter. We're leaving it all in. Why would we? Why would we cut such gold I, content? Yeah, listen. He doesn't. He doesn't. I, I don't like getting stuck into horses at um at a shade of odds on here. But um, he's. I think he's got a fair degree in hand, um, in this race, and the fact that he's ideally suited, um, by this unusual, um, combination of track and trip. Um, makes him very hard to oppose. He thought, you know, in an eight-runner race, it looks very interesting from an each-way perspective. Um, and you can give a chance to, to be honest, most of the others. You can argue an each-way case for, for most of the field. But if we only ended up with seven, then there would be virtually no each-way appeal to the race at all. Um, and that's the, uh, that's the tightrope you walk. Yep. That's a very reasonable case to make. And for those who want to put Hookham in their... Lucky thirty ones, lucky sixty threes. Then, boom, you're um, it's a very solid case made by Roy Delargy. Uh, the two fifty five is the bet fixture handicap uh, over seven furlongs. I have a very strong fancy, which is not going to be extremely difficult to deduce. Um, Aratus wins, Rory, doesn't he? Is that what you're saying? Yes. Final answer. Well, make, a, make a case then. Uh, he wins. <laughs> You're gonna put it out. <laughs> no, I really liked how he did it at uh, at Kempton. Two starts back. Obviously, he's a little bit inexperienced. He's only had three. Um, but that performance at Doncaster last time out over um, seven on good to firm was explosive. Um, so it was transferring from all weather to good ground. He should be getting good ground at Newbury again. Um. He's having his second run after a wind operation, and I don't see anything in the field, with all due respect to Ed Walker and Holly Dolls or Sunset Bay, uh, that has the potential that he has. And I just think that he's a horse that is in form, is well worth following, and there's probably an awful lot more to come. Um, he also produced a really good time. Um, so. Uh, not at Doncaster, at Kempton. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, you know, for a, for a race of that nature, mm. uh, which, which you know, which was only a maiden. The 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 race at Doncaster should have been a stronger event, but fell apart completely. He's won it by he's won it by seven and a half lengths, and you can't really crab him. But he's beaten a horse who's probably has a you know will end up racing in handicaps off marks in the fifties. Um, so he didn't. He, he ended up not having um, much to beat in the end. Um, the uh, uh, the runner-up leads equal. It's from a nice, if modest family, a family with one plenty of races, um, but at a fairly lowly level. He was a, a hundred to one shot in the day, or she rather was a hundred to one shot in the day. Um, the the, um, the main danger was meant to be uh, the Godolphin filly, uh, next victory, um, but she hung all over the track that day and didn't really give her running. Um, the fourth had run okay since. Um, but it's difficult, it's difficult to be adamant about how strong the form is. And as you said, you're probably going back to the Kempton run um, to get an idea of, um, of the potential of artists. Um, 
We know that he handles turf, I should expect, as, as a son of Free Eagle. He should stay further than seven furlongs, really. Mm. Um, no, there, are, there, are, there are sprinters in the family, um, but there are also, um, uh, you know, the, da- the dam was was a winner over five furlongs, but she um, uh, she was a half-sister to a two-mile winner. Um, and obviously Free Eagle, you'd expect to be a bit of an influence for stamina as well, but uh, he seems fully effective at seven furlongs thus far. Um, and I wouldn't want to be the handicapper with a horse like um, like Aratus because, you know, he's won two races very easily. Um, he hasn't beaten opposition um, of this calibre on either occasion. But, um, you know, the impression he's given is he's capable of an awful lot better. I take the point. He's, he's a horse I wouldn't want to oppose. He's a horse I wouldn't want to be um, sticking a handicap mark on either. Um, but he also is a horse who might just be overbet here. Um, we'll find out on the uh, on the day. Uh, have you got prices for this? Anyone priced up already? I do. Um, there's a number of firms who have priced up. Uh, the other thing I'd say is that I think, as you're saying about the handicapper, I think he's actually got in off a generous handicap mark. Um, particularly if you look, go back to his debut, he was the only horse in the first, I think, seven, six that day who was making his debut. Um so a mark of 94, I think, could be generous. Uh, the best price that I can get you is 9 to 4. Yeah. Um, and, and I wouldn't want to make a call as to whether he ends up much shorter than 9 to 4 or not. Um, as I said, I wouldn't be um, I wouldn't be entering the piggy bank to oppose him at the price because he's got, you know, he's got potential for better. But I, it's difficult to back him with confidence, um, not really knowing what the uh, what the Doncaster form is, is uh, worth. And the one thing that would give you an idea would be the time but he wasn't pressed to um to run a big time my only concern about him generally speaking is that he has taken a, a real hold in his races and he wants to settle a little bit better if he's going to to um fulfill his potential that would be the concern with him um i would probably struggle to bet in this race as it sounds again you can know each way angle the dead eight runners at the moment but you know you've got a fair chance of ha- of losing one um on the day one who might end up being overpriced. Um, what price? What's the biggest price you see about Jack's Point? Biggest price about Jack's Point. Mm, debatable how much you'll get on, but twenty fives. Right. Um, he's he's of some interest now. He hasn't clicked for Tom Clover. Um, he ran okay on his, his return. He wasn't beaten far um, in the uh, Victoria Cup at Alaska, which is one of the strongest. Seven furlong handicaps of the season. Uh, he ran really well a couple of times. I think he ran twice at Royal Ascot last year. Um, but he had good form last year for, for William Muir. As I said, his new stable hasn't found the key to him yet. But he's had a, a longish break since running poorly um, over a trip that he doesn't stay at Newmarket last time. And he now drops into a slightly weaker class of handicap and drops to a mark of, of 92. Um, this is this is officially a lot to ninety five, but um, uh, it's not the uh, um, it's almost a lot in ninety, almost not not to ninety. There's one horse who's, who's above the level uh, to get into a race like that. So that's an easier race than Jack's Point has actually contested in a while. His recent runs don't give you an awful lot of um, encouragement, but he does win races. Uh, and a Tom Clover has since we last saw him just find the key to him. A bit of juice in the ground wouldn't hurt him. Um, he handles he handles soft. He's running on very quick ground his last two starts, and that might um, partially explain him disappointing. Um, so if it's not too fast, it's good at the moment at Newbury. It's not rattling fast ground, and um, that'll be fine for him. If it, if it ends up being very quick, 
that would be slightly off-putting. But it's a kind of horse you'd be forgotten about on the back of um, uh, what appeared to be three pro runs, actually two pro runs. Um, but as I said, he's dropped five pounds um, since that. And last season's form gives him the winning of this race if he can find it again. Okay. Uh, I like it, particularly when that horse is 25s. So there's the straight exacta. Hurtis <laughs> with, with um, Jack's point. But no, uh, we should be back in Jack's point. Um, Lucy, for you. Yeah, and please, Rory mentioned how keen Aratus was last time out because he was, and I saw Adam Kirby sort of struggling for cover in that race, and he, he's probably going to have uh, similar sort of circumstances here with the eight runners, but, I mean, he managed to overcome it last time out with seven runners, so that bodes really well, and I think um, with that in mind, I think his performance can be upgraded, but... Um, as you say, we don't really know um, in terms of what he's beaten on that day. Last time out at Doncaster, uh, the form is, um, hasn't come to light too much since. But I do think he's um, vastly uh, perhaps superior to these horses. Very, he's a very un unexposed horse. And I think, um, yeah, I think, he's, I think this most significant thing last time out was he was so keen and um, was, was, wasn't able to get much cover. But as I said, it was in a small runner field and sunset bay um perhaps more straightforward but has been running in sort of um class fives and class fours she's she's um won her last two races and holly Doll, uh takes the ride on her in this contest and that's a positive i thought she yeah i thought her turn of foot last time out was impressive at sandown and um perhaps a bit more straightforward than aratus but I do think Aratus um, has that sort of star appeal and the way he quickened um, at Doncaster uh, on the straight course there, I think he's going to be suited to Newbury. Of, of course, it's uh, Clive Cox, Clive Cox's um, home race course as well. So that'll be an advantage. I think other horses further down the betting, it's sort of, they're coming into the race in various different uh, types of form. I think the William Haggis horse is um, perhaps rated um sort of a bit superior to how it's been running last time out. I think um, it's going to have to bounce back to winning ways, um, that William Haggis horse. And then you've got Magical Wish, who's carrying top weight, um, but was a winner last time out. It's gone up three pounds for that. So I think Magical Wish has won off a higher mark in the past as well. I think last season won a couple of races, um, sort of class threes and class twos that the the calibre of horses he he won against them would have been a lot better than this. So yeah, a magical wish, perhaps, um, take an interest in him, although he, he will be going off, um, as I say, top weight for his win last time out. Uh, but yeah, I think Aratus will be the horse to beat. And the horse to beat in the 3.30 should be obvious to everybody by now. In the Betvictor Hungerford Stakes, the Group 2, over seven furlongs. Surely it's Dania, Rory! Dan, you just bolts up, doesn't he? <laughs> just bolts up for Jim Crowley and on Burroughs. Uh, absolutely love this horse. Al Saleh, Godolphin had so many horses that they could choose from. And I'm kind of surprised that Space Blues isn't in here. Um, but hey, he's not. And this is who they've gone with. Um, but Dania, Rory, talk to me. Once you're off mute. Sorry, Alex. Once I'm, once I'm off mute. Um, this is Dania stepping up in class. Um, he's um, he's been progressive in handicaps um, this season on a, uh, a sound surface. 
and took a step forward for front running in the international stakes at Ascot last time out. Um, that was quite a bold move by uh, William Buick, who took over the, the steering that day and taken him to the front um, in a race where there were surprisingly few um, potential front runners once the, um, um, one of the confirmed um, pace setters was taken out of the race in the morning. So I don't think Tony Hill were, were expecting him to, um, to kick on. He's a horse, he's, he's been hooded for a while. Also, he used to be keen in his races, but he settled very well in front um, at Ascot. And um, he would have to have a, a pretty decent chance here. Um, so I haven't checked whether the stalls are in the middle of the track for this, whether they're, they're stand side. I thought they'd be in the Center, middle. middle. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, the slight concern would be, um, it's not a massive field, but... There, there can be a bias against the high numbers. There's often been, jockeys have often wanted to come across the stands rail at Newbury, and it's almost always a kiss of death. Um, it's strange to see sometimes. I saw um, um, a scenario like this at, um, at Leicester during the week, where you want to always race out at the centre of the track at Leicester. And um, Jim Crowley was riding one in the uh, in the opening maiden race, and he was drawn sort of mid to wide, and he's come out, and he's actually come all the way across to the um, to the near side rail, and he's ended up was being a long way in the end. All the horses who raced in the centre, uh, the low numbers were um, were having the best of it at Leicester that day, which tends to be the case. And it's often the case at Newbury as well that you end up, you know, the races take take place, develop up the centre of the course rather than on a rail. Um, and yet there's always, there tends to be a move to the rail by at least one jockey during the day. And I'd be slightly concerned if, um, if Jim took Tanya out from stall 10 and headed to the rail, which he might do because he's, he's only drawn one off. Um, that, that, I don't think, would be a, a massively uh, positive move. But at the last meeting in Newbury, there were jockeys who wanted to do that as well. So we'll see if that happens to be the case. At least this is a two-day meeting, so they'll see on the um, on the Friday mm. uh, where they've got a big field listed race for two-year-old fillies at some huge stakes. Um, that will tell us whether whether there's a bias against the high numbers or not. You get an idea, you know, you get a bunch of fillies with similar ratings, and if... Um, if the centre of the track are, are eight lengths ahead of the, uh, the stand side, then you know that the centre is the place to be. So we'll know more about it then. That would be a slight concern with Daniel. It's always a concern with high-class handicappers stepping up to um, uh, to group company as well. And, and the other example in this race, of course, is, is Mossa Kyle. Now, he's looked at group horse uh, on a number of occasions, and he um, defied a higher mark and was an easier winner in a handicap on his previous start in the Bunbury Cup. He bolted up in the Bunbury Cup, Mossa Kyle. And he was he was um, rated 109 there by the handicapper, whereas Dania um, was uh, running off a mark of 106. Those are both high handicap marks to be winning off, and and any horse that can win off a mark of 106 or 109 handicaps should be winning group races. But uh, Motocar's had his chance in group races before and hasn't actually reproduced his handicap form. Uh, and you do occasionally get this the horses who are very happy to to boss inferiors, especially if they want to make the running. Um, they're very happy giving weight away to horses. They're not quite as good as them and beating them in handicaps. But once you raise them up to sort of group three, group two level, um, when the form book says they should still be winning, they seem to struggle a bit more just because the, the horses they're racing against are more able to get them out of their comfort zone early in the race. Um, so that's a concern for both Dania and Mosa Kyle. I have to say, I thought that um, they're drawn next to each other here as well. Um, on the book, Motokai's got a better chance of winning this. Um, you can argue that because he's been given his chance in, uh, in group company before, uh, maybe he's the one to be wary of. Although he was, he was a good second in the Criterion Stakes, 
um, at Newmarket prior to winning the um, the Bunbury Cup. Um, but yeah, as I said, he was he was his performance um, in winning at Newmarket. You definitely put ahead in form in terms of, of what Dania achieved at um, uh, Alaska. Dania, of course, is a year younger and hasn't been given this sort of test before, so um, he's in a manner of speaking, there are more positives for him that he might be able to break through at this level. But I still think, I'm, I'm judging the race on overall form in Motokyle. Um, it not only has the best form in the race, but he's liable to be a good price because he's he's the um, he's the owner's second string in the race now because Crowley has has um, chosen Dania. Um, and Dan O'Neill, who's, who's the regular rider of, of, of Motokyle, rides on a regular basis anyway. Jim hasn't ridden him since he was um, down the field in the, um, the aforementioned Victoria Cup. Uh, so he stuck with Daniel, which is not surprising. Um, although he's only ridden that horse once in his last five starts as well. Mm. Slightly old, a slightly odd one, given that he's the uh, the first jockey, but that's the way um, things, the cookie has crumbled of late. Um, yeah, on the ratings, that, that pair are clear. Um, but you could easily take the view that you prefer to, to, um, to go with horses who are proven in group company in the first place. And if you also take the view that you don't want to be drawn too high in this, um, then you could easily be looking at something like Al Suhail, who's drawn a stall too, um, who um, ran a very good race to be third in the summer mile last time out. Um, and probably will probably benefit from a drop to seven furlongs. Um, he's bred to stay further, Al Suhail, and he's been, he's been raced it up to a minor and a furlong, but. Uh, he doesn't. He hasn't looked a, a, a stayer beyond a mile, and I may well be dropping him back to seven furlongs. Gets the best out of him. He's not the. He's a slightly tricky character, um, but again, William Bugg would be keen to um, uh, to win this. Given he was on board Daniel last time out, it'll be a little bit of a point to prove. So Alistair Hill comes into the mix as well, um, given what should be a decent draw there. But I'm going to stick with uh, with Mosa Kyle um, because. Uh, again, you could, I'm not looking at prices. I'm, I'm, I'm suggesting that he's he's clearly not going to be favourite for this race. Um, but if he is, that kind of changes my view a little bit. What, what odds are you looking at? Well, Al Sol Hale is 11 to 4. No, no, I'm, I'm looking at Motokyle. No, I'm telling you that he's 11 to 4. Uh, Dania is 11 to 2. And Motokyle, 6 to 1. Yeah, so see, the, um, the way the betting works in this is whatever price um, Dania is, Motokyle has to be a little bit bigger because Crowley's got the choice of the pair of them and he's gone with um, he's gone with Daniel. And I think that ends up making Motokyle a better price. Uh, I think he will be better suited. He's never he's never gone terribly well at Ascot on recent starts anyway. I think he'll be a lot happier at Newbury uh, than he was at Ascot last time out. Um, and he'd probably be happier away from very fast ground, which it was um, mm. on his uh, most recent start at Ascot. Yeah, that's a fair show too. So you can see him drifting on Saturday morning. Uh, Lucy, your selection in the Hungerford Stakes. Well, this time I will, I will agree with uh, Rory, yeah, which doesn't make for much debate, does it? Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think if you're looking at the three, Al, um, Al Suhai and Dania and Motta Kale, they're all running off nine stone sticks. And if you're looking at horses in terms of... Um, sort of group ability. Um, Motta Kale by far ha hasn't done it in group company yet, but I think this is a race that he's um, going to do it. He's going to have a, uh, a smaller field to contend with. I think his run last time out at Ascot um, in that race at Daniel 
won and Daniel was most impressive um, in that uh, race at Ascot. I think the pace was um, sort of very honest in that race and I think Montecale was sort of taking off his heels quite early. So I think this this contest with a much smaller field, um, much more to his advantage, I think he's going to be, um, yeah, hard to beat. But as you say, people have been um, possibly drawn to... Um, the Chaliapi runner and obviously Dania based on Dania's win last time out at Ascot and has shown some really good form uh, this year having finished uh, second at Royal Ascot as well. I do think um, the Chaliapi runner Al Suhai um, yeah he's quite a free going sort so dropping back to seven furlongs uh, you think suit him um, remains to be whether he's going to get back to the winning ways over that trip hasn't run over seven furlongs since I think his two-year-old day so that'd be interesting to see how he takes um yeah dropping back trip um he's quite free going sort and I thought he was quite confidently ridden last time I thought um coming around the, the bend um on the round course at Ascot I thought Pat Dobbs was uh, I thought he um he looked the winner from a, a long way out but obviously um, finished third, perhaps lacked a bit of uh, match fitness. So I think the market would suggest that he's going to come on for that run as well. But I do think you're looking at the weights. If you if you think the top three in the market are all nice and sticks, I do think Motokeo is um, by far the standout performer and hopefully he can uh, take his first group victory in this place. Okay, we got two more races to preview. Before we do, Tote Plus... It's an absolute game changer when it comes to pool betting and uh, will be available to you not only in all horse racing markets in the UK and Ireland, but especially this weekend. So when you're betting on Lucy and Rory selections, and maybe even mine, if you're that mad, uh, then take advantage of the extra gravy that Tote are going to be offering you with 10% on top of your winnings exclusively with Tote. This is only available at tote.co.uk tote.ie or the official tote app 10% on top of your win bets place bets exactors trifectas play spots whatever it is that you want to do it's all there for you plus if you place um, a bet that doesn't quite happen to come off for you well tote will refund your losing stake up to 20 pounds so you can have that bet in any pool and you've got a refund. And if you've placed that bet on a horse race and you've won, welcome to the world of Tote Plus, where there's even more value for you. More importantly, though, than ever, when you bet with Tote, your money's actually going back into supporting the sport that we all love. The reason you listen to this podcast, horse racing. And you don't need me to tell you that horse racing's never needed that support more. So because Tote aren't a bookie, they will never shut you down. You're not going to get an email from them saying, sorry, Miss Lucy, you can now, Miss Russell Hughes, you can now only have pound fifty-five on at SP because every time you tip a horse in the final front of podcast, it becomes a sea of blue. So uh, screw you. Or sorry, Mr. Delargy, but hey, uh, bugger off. We're not interested in your business anymore. Tot won't do that. They will never do that to you because it's all pool betting. And also, if you want to have a big bet, you're more than welcome. And you're supporting our great sport of racing. So come on in. 
and play. Uh, particularly with Tote Plus, 10% on top of your winnings. Only available at tote.co.uk, tote.ie, and the official Tote app. 18 plus, begambleaware.org. Full terms and conditions are available on the site. Uh, Ripon, one race we're going to look at there is the Great St. Wilfred handicap, where Staxton heads the betting at sixes. Um, and the worst that I like, uh, Lampang. Tens. So, Lucy, who are you with? I think Tim Eastby's got a really strong hand in this race. Well, he's got uh, a lot of runners. Um, I do really like Music Society. I think he was, he's a horse in in the form of his life at the moment. Um, I sided with him at Goodwood last time out, and I thought he ran a good race, wasn't beaten too far behind uh, the John Quinn horse, Mr. Wagyu, who also takes his place in this race. I think that was a career best performance from Mr. Wagyu, but um, yeah, I think he's going to be um, opposable this time around. I mean, he is a course and distance winner, Mr. Wagyu, but um, he has been, as I say, last time out was by far career best performance, hasn't shown um, any of that sort of form in class two races. I think this might be a bit too competitive for him. I think Music Society prevent, uh, presents some value. I thought his, um, well, he was just touched off in the, in the Scottish Stewards Cup at Hamilton, that was um, earlier last month, and then uh, ran a tremendous race um, at York with Ellen McCain in the saddle. Um, and then, yeah, last time out, wasn't beaten too far in the uh, Stewards Cup consolation race at Goodwood. So I think he is in really good form, and they've done really well with this horse um, since he joined the Timmy to the yard. Um, I think he was a winner at Air in, in one of their consolation races. I think it was the Bronze Cup. Uh, two seasons ago, um, so yeah, I think he present prevents uh, presents a little bit of value, um, but yeah, I, I can see Lampang um, would attract um, a lot of support as well. I think the connections were really um, confident going into the Stewards Cup last time out, and perhaps a little disappointed with his run. Um, he was a horse they thought was going to be of group standard uh, not too long ago. So th- th- yeah, he was sprinted that connections. Um, do see a lot of um, potential in. I think he he's not too far away from uh, winning one of these big, big sprint handicaps. Um, but yeah, I think at the weights and given the form Music Society is in, he will be my selection. I think it's an incredibly tough race uh, to pick the winner from. I think a lot of horses, a lot of well-seasoned sprinters are coming into this in, in good form. I think uh, the Ian Williams horse, Mockertail, is a horse I've always uh, liked, but I think six furlongs might stretch him. He was a winner um, of the Epsom Dash, and that was a, a really good race, um, sort of back at what well, around the Epsom Derby weekend. So, um, and then he was a winner last time out, and that was over five furlongs at Musselburgh on good ground. So I do think um, the minimum trip is his optimum, but um, yeah, I do know that Ian Williams thinks a lot of this horse and. I spoke about him on the podcast before. He's um, he also thinks Mockertail is not too far off from from winning a big pot like this. Um, but I just think six furlongs perhaps stretches him. I think um, Mr. Lupton was coming into this race last year off uh, a much better career mark. I think his mark this time around is quite high. I know Conor Myrtle will be taking three pounds off his back, but. Um, Given his his form recently as well, I think it's probably a bit too much of an ask. Um, although he he has been a winner um, earlier in the season at York, 
um, Mr. Lupton. But yeah, I think last year he had uh, a much nicer weight on his back coming coming into this contest and and ran a, a really good race. Yeah, and the, a number of other Timmy Ski horses. Obviously, I think uh, Staxon's going to have a lot of support. Um, and I will side with Music Society from a team needs to be yard. I think he's, uh, yeah, he, he could present some value. Very solid, to be fair. Rory, 20 runners, handicap company. You love this. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't mind it. Um, I put Saxton up last year, um, Andy Post. In fact, we're doing a podcast when he won his, um, uh, his, um, his prep race for this, I believe. Mm-hmm. I've traded a massive price in run. Um, he's got a great record at Ribbon, and he's he was lined up for this last year. Um, the handicapper gave him a real chance um, last season. Um, so when he, he arrived for this race, he was racing off a mark of um, of eighty eight. He's um, he's run at Ribbon once since and won again off a mark of ninety one. And after um, three lesser efforts um, elsewhere, plus a very good run in the uh, in the Scottish Stewards Cup. Um, he's he's only a pound above his last winning mark and, and four pounds higher than when winning the race last year. So um, he's your starting point, I think. Um, it's on a stall eight, uh, which means he's probably going to be going far side. Um, he's got the speed to get across ahead of the likes of, well, two stable companions um, uh, immediately um, outside him, if you like. So he'll be heading um, to that far reel or the far side of the track with the likes of Brad the Brief and Manny Cordo. Um, whereas you always like to have one near side as well, so I'll throw one in there. And again, as an old friend of mine who had absolutely no chance last time I haven't tipped him on the show, Justin on the bottle. Um, he's he's very much all or nothing, I couldn't back him each way at this stage. And they're taking the chance of um, of putting blinkers on him for the first time. He was well beaten in the Stewards Cup, but he, he does not. I mean, I was going to say, I'm going to say he doesn't handle heavy grind, and some of the point out they actually won him the heavy grind at Catterick. Um, last season, but he's never he's never handled soft ground before, and he absolutely fell in um, in that race at, at Catterick. Mm-hmm. It was just it just happened to be run in a way which um, uh, which you know saw him come from an impossible position. He traded uh, about four hundred in the run that day. Started slowly, came from the back of the field. Whereas essentially, he's a horse who wants to make the running on quick ground, um, and and only just stays six furlongs. So he, he showed up well for the first three furlongs of the Stewards Cup. He showed plenty of speed, um, but he just didn't handle the grind and he ended up coming home in his own time um, with only a couple of um, lame ones behind him, I think. Uh, that wouldn't have taken much out of him. Uh, obviously, you'd be put off if you look at his overall record because he was disappointing on soft ground at York uh, prior to that. And a seventh of 14 in Newcastle doesn't look particularly good. He was a lot better than the bare result that day. He looked um, the second best horse. Um, in the race over a trip that stretched him at a stiff track. So Ripon, um, not such a test of stamina. So the uh, the six furlongs will be justified within his um, his compass here. Obviously he's run two of his best races at Goodwood um, in the past. I wouldn't say Ripon and Goodwood are, are, are similar, but it's not stamina that really counts over six furlongs at Ripon. It's, it's being able to have the speed and the ability to handle the, um, the undulations of the track that are crucial. And it's always useful to find horses who've run, who've run well here before, which is why Staxton is such an obvious starting point in the race. Um, but good old Justin Otherbottle is going to be a massive price. Um, the handicapper has kindly dropped him um, two pounds for getting beaten 18 and a half lengths um, in the Stewards' Cup. Um, but his mark is actually is fair 
um, on what he's done over the last couple of seasons. Um, whereas he's been high in the weights now for a couple of years, so he's beginning to slip down. The worry with a horse like him, who's who's on a bit of a losing run, aside from that um, aberration, if you like, at, at Catterick, is whether he's lost confidence. Um, but he's drawn one off the at the stand side rail. I think looking at the shape of the race, um, he'd certainly be able to get um, ahead of Intrinsic Bonds, who's who's drawn uh, highest of all. He might have um, Guilford's Maya trying to get ahead of him um, in the opening for number two, but I think that he's got better natural speed. Guilford's Maya, um, she's uh, she's a pretty solid performer. She always gives her running, and, and she will want to go from the front. But I think if they want to lead in just another bottle um, with Kevin Stott riding well at the moment, he should be able to get the lead on the stand side. Whether there's any oomph in him in the final furlong is the big, big question. Uh, and you would need quite a big price to um, to take that chance, but I'm pretty sure you're going to get it. Um, I don't think there's too many people that can read his form this season and think that he's one to be with. He was about 66 to one uh, on the machine for the for the Stewart's Cup last time out. Um, and given this is almost as competitive, um, I'd expect him to be at least 33s again. Currently, the best price is 25s. Yeah, again, we're in, we're in the usual scenario of, of quite big overruns for races like this. And, mm. The other issue is that you've now put the horse up, so we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. But um, you've made a persuasive enough case for me, Rory. And um, as you said, you banged in the winner last year. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I do quite like um, Lambang, but that being said, I'm not averse to having two bets in the race. And um, Lucy made a very strong, compelling case for Music Society, which means we've got... A trifecta. Um, so let's get stuck into that. Uh, right, the pre-Jacques Lamarwa is obviously going to be the um, the focal point of the weekend. Uh, Palace Pier, the defending champion, is back and is favourite. Uh, odds on at four to five. Should he be odds on though? Um, Poetic Flair, Alpine Star. Poetic Flair seven to two. Alpine Star thirteen to two. This is with the one from that's actually betting on the race. Victor Ladorum. Ah, Victor, my old friend, 10s. Max Sweeney, 10s. Midtown, 12s. And Mother Earth, uh, the 1,000 guineas winner who continues to hold her form, is 12s. Lucy, is this the perfect comeback for Palace Pier to resume winning ways, or is he vulnerable now? Uh, I hope so. I don't think he's he's vulnerable. I think he's going to have to bounce back from... Um, his unsatisfactory blood result. I think uh, a lot of people will be worried about that, but I don't think that's too much to uh, be untoward. I think um, it's nothing to be said. It's not as if it's an injury that he's having to come back from. And mm. he's obviously won three times this season unbeaten. I think he's, yeah, won the race last year. I think he's going to be beat again. Although he, his opposition... Uh, is off it on of interest. Obviously, Puerto Blair is uh, returning, uh, makes for a fascinating. And I just really like the fact that Jim Bolge is just sort of campaigning this horse uh, really strongly. I think he's a racehorse, and it's great that we're seeing him being turned out again and again. That's what racehorses are, are bred to do, and I think it's great that Jim Bolger can can do that with confidence. So he does um, present some interesting credentials um obviously he's going to have to come back from his defeat last time out at goodwood um behind 
alcohol free but yeah I do think um I do think the a palace pier um a, a race that he'll hopefully take again he won the race last time uh last season and I think he's going to do the same again and um I thought if Mother Earth turns up she, she'll be bearing in mind her last time at Doval in the Prix de Rothschild, which was, I thought was a really fantastic performance. I thought that was actually her performance of the season because she, she sort of uh, led the field and um, had the running rail to advantage, but obviously, yeah, she was superior to all of her other rivals that day. So, yeah, that's going to be she does turn up. Um, I don't think we've had confirmation yet, have we? Um, but, yeah, I... I those are final decks. Yeah, these are. Yeah, so she's yeah. she's turning up. Okay, they're gonna great, yeah. they're gonna go again. <laughs> yeah, and quite a quick turnaround. That was that's what I was thinking. But yeah, great. I think he's he's of of certainly of interest. But yeah, I do think Palace Pier. I thought when I saw him at Newbury this year in the Lockinge, I thought he's um, the miler uh, of the season, and um, interesting that. Don Gosling is choosing to come here. I think that he did mention the Double International, uh, but obviously he'd have to be stepping up and trip to a mile and two. But given the way this horse runs his races, relaxes, um, he wasn't too concerned about stepping him up and trip to a mile and two. So I'm, I am interested that John Gosling's targeted this race. Um, that's I think everybody should take note of that because he he had other options um, in mind. So. Yeah, I think he's uh, going to be hard to beat. Roy, what about you? Uh, I think the going uh, could be key here in the end. Um, and I think um, if, if it comes up good or quicker, then Poetic Flair is, is capable of really throwing, um, uh, putting it up to, uh, to Palace Pier. Go on, the flair. Uh, and the other thing I'm thinking, I mean, but listen, Palace Pier is, is, um, is pretty outstanding. He wasn't, he wasn't um, impressive in the Queen Anne. Um, but as, as John Gosson said afterwards, that's him. He's, he takes the mickey a bit. Um, you know, when he's done enough, he uh, he lets you know. Um, and that's fair enough. I think there's he's always given the impression there's more in the locker. Um, the one time he was probably off the right, of course, he was he was beaten. But I think the most significant thing on on, um, on that occasion, the QE2 last year, was that all John Gosson's horses ran badly at the meeting. Mm. Um, he had, he had uh, three horses with big, big chances and big reputations on the day. They all flopped. So um, Palace Pier essentially ran the best of those. So listen, he, he's the horse to beat. He's got to give six pints away to, to Poetic Flair. Um, and you always ask yourself the question of Poetic Flair, you know, when when will it be one race too many for him? Um, but it hasn't been thus far. He's um, He's the horse who thrives in being busy, I think. He's, he, he's the kind of horse that a lot of trainers would put away for a couple of months and bring back. And I think he's the kind of horse you could just train off completely if you give him a break. You think you're being kind to him, give him a break, turn him away, bring him back again. He's like, oh, I've, done, I've, I've done my racing now. I'm not interested anymore. Um, but by keeping him busy, um, you get the best out of him. Um, he looked a little bit tricky again under pressure at, um, at Goodwood. Um, but again, he, he just looks a more straightforward horse on, on quickish ground. Mm. Um, so if it dries up, and it wasn't, doesn't take it too long to dry at Deauville. Uh, we expect the ground to be on the soft side in in, uh, in France, but um, you know it can get quick enough at Deauville. And um, it was 
it was drying out reasonably quickly last weekend uh, for the moist to guest. Um, so with a little bit of half decent weather um, to, uh, to bring these together could be a very interesting one. The other possibility in this race is whether, um, uh, if, well, I'm not sure whether Aidan O'Brien really, well, he could, he definitely could do it. He might, Aidan O'Brien might decide that the best way of getting Palace Pier beaten, given how he performed at Ascot, is to make this race falsely run. Now, whether he's got the ability to do that in a, um, in a big field, I don't know, but um, he could send Order Australia forward. You know, if you can send, if you can get one of your horses into the lead and then put the brakes on and hope that everyone follows you and you stack them up behind you, that could be interesting because I don't think Palace Pier really wants that. He wants a strongly run race at the trip because, you know, he needs a little bit of motivating. Um, but when he gets there, when he hits top stride, he's very good. But if he ended up in a race where they didn't go particularly on his pace, then they slowed it down and then quickened it up right at the end, that could just catch him out. That's the one scenario I can think of where Palace Pier would not be at his happiest. But whether, as I said, in a race like this, um, any one person could dictate the tactics um, to beat him, I don't know. I think it's pretty hard to do. The one thing you can do in a big field is you can you can guarantee a strong pace. Uh, we've seen we've seen O'Brien do it before, but he's done it with more horses in a race. We've seen him um, with two or three pacemakers in the Eclipse where everyone thought they were going to go really hard and they've actually gone to the front and put the brakes on yeah, um, and tried to win the race by, by uh, you know, making the gallop um, much less strong than expected. Whether, he's, whether Order of Australia and Mother Earth are the pair to do that, I, I'd be very wary. I don't, it doesn't look like that's a plan uh, with those declarations. But if someone was able to do that, it would add an element to the race, um, an element of farce perhaps, um, but an element all the same. If it's a strongly, the, the, the more strongly run this is, the more it should boil down to Palace Pier and, and Poetic Flair, possibly Alpine Star. Um, but I think the top two are um, uh, are a touch better than the others. Um, and in a manner of speaking, we'd like to see an honest pace to bring them to the fore. And I, I'd also like to see it not get too soft because I think Poetic Flair is, is beatable um, if you get him on soft ground, um, where he's, he's just, he's maybe four or five pounds better when the, uh, the ground is, um, is good. And um, he seems to run truer and stick his neck out a little bit more on a sound surface. Yeah, 100%. No, we want a sound surface for him. Um, Alpine Star is obviously very interesting. Uh, Midtown is very interesting. They sent him off favourite on his belated comeback at Deauville in Group 1 Company over a trip that's probably short of ideal for him. It's probably a miler. So I wouldn't be sleeping too much on him either. It's a fascinating race in prospect. I'm with Buttick Flair, um, and that's nothing against Palace Pier. He's he's an absolute superstar, but you still have to come back. And um, Lucy's right, it's not an injury, but still, he's been off the track. Um, but if it's not proper good ground, then Buttick Flair won't bounce off it. Um, and it is very interesting that Mother Earth is coming back so quickly. So it has the capability of being an absolutely fantastic race. And we'll just have to wait and see and then dissect it all uh, on Sunday evening, which Rory and I shall do uh, as we then prepare for York and our preview of York uh, next week. Uh, that is it. Best bet of the weekend, Lucy Russell Hughes. Best bet of the week, um, Moffat Kale in the Hungerford Stakes at Newbury. I think he's quite solid. 
Okay. Um, Mr. DeLarge. Uh You'll have to get the paper, mate. That's the way it works. <laughs> What's your second best bet of the weekend? <laughs> you can't. You always do that, don't you? Uh, I will um, throw a few bob at Betfair SP. Just another bottle in the um, in the uh, Grits and Buffers. Nice. But that's a crucial thing. Or indeed at, at, um, at uh, Total Plus um, Returns. That's the other way of saying it. Yeah. Yes. Because I think uh, I don't want to back him each way because there's there's a massive blue-white chance um, with him. But there's also a chance that, he, that he's given the winning off his mark. I'd rather back him win only. If you're back in a win only, um, you want to be getting over the odds in terms of the SPs and people will be offering extra places. So the truth is to get that on the exchanges or uh, total returns um, through through the total side with your extra 10%. Thank yep. you very much. And the SP is guaranteed. So total guaranteed to match the SP. And if you win, 10% to top your winnings. So total plus would be the way to play that. Uh, Danya for me. I hope Mr. Crowley has listened and um, after his recent appearance on the show has heard what Roy's had to say takes Roy's advice and um, goes and wins and wins easily uh, in the 3.30 the uh, Hungerford Stakes right that's it uh, we're back on Sunday night I think Roy and I agreed uh, I think that's what we're doing but who knows it could be Monday either uh, but until the next show uh, thank you so much for listening and uh, we'll chat to you soon from Lucy Rory and myself, Emmett Kennedy. Thanks for listening. Chat to you soon. Have a great weekend. God bless. The Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by Tote. Think you can't get better value? Think again. 10% bigger dividends when you bet direct with Tote Plus at tote.co.uk.